Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and today I'm in Lake Forest, California, uh, back again at 949 Racing. We did a show here uh, with Emilio about, uh, I guess, about a year ago. John Wagliardo joined me for it. Um, but tonight, uh, here at 949 with Dan Howard, Emilio Cervantes, and Sonny Watanasirisuk. Uh, I already messed it up. Watanasirisuk. Watanasirisuk. There we go. Yeah. Got it. I can barely so. say it any worse for me. <laughs> It's fine. It, it's, it, I'm used to it at this point. It's, I, I just read it as what, like Watuski, like honestly. I that, don't know that, why. That, that sounds even better. It's, it's Russian. I just I drop a couple letters out of it and just make it, you know, yeah. make it what I need to. Exactly. So, well, appreciate you guys' time. Thanks for coming uh, back on the show, Emilio. Sure. Uh, Dan, we've talked about you before. I think we've talked about Sonny before, too. Talked about him being his back mostly, right? Yeah, mostly. All the yeah. time. Yeah. Right? yeah. All the time. <laughs> I've tried to keep up, but. All, all the story's apparently true. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is. I don't know. I had to hire him to find out. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Emilio, you and I were talking uh, last week that uh, your show that you recorded with us last year was one of our most listened to shows, so. Got to, yeah, I got big <laughs> shoes to fill with this one. But, spilling uh, the secrets. Every time, every time I'm here, it's a great time. So It must be what it is. It's the spilling of the secrets. We, we hold uh, some information close and some we publish, and a lot of the stuff we publish... Uh, tends to be useful to people. So um, people are usually eager to, when we disseminate stuff on the forums and, and uh, publish you know, FAQs on our website and stuff like that, they tend to, be, they tend to propagate really well. So um, I think a lot of that is because we take our time to do a little bit of homework ahead of time, research, learn, figure out, do some A-B testing. And like, oh, look, we discovered. And we share it. And people are like, oh, I'm glad somebody finally did that. And that yeah. just keeps happening. You know, like, oh, I'm glad somebody did that thing, too. Oh, and this other thing. And so they read the rule book for me and told me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of customers who have raced uh, uh, various uh, racing classes and have done well based on uh, the information we shared. So that's uh, that's good. So I don't know if everybody knows. Um, some people will know. Uh, everybody here, some won't. Um, Sonny is uh, our shipping manager here. He runs the warehouse and makes sure everybody gets their stuff when they order stuff. He's also uh, one of the premier drivers in our Maxis Cup Series, uh, second in this year's championship, and I think you made the podium the prior two years. You were second and third. Bridesmaid. Yeah, always a bridesmaid. Never, never a bride. bride. Oh. <laughs> oh, they're so close, but yeah, it's a, the, are the rules, the point structure in Maxis Cup is built for close racing, so there's a, a small jump between uh, first and second and third for each individual uh, race, so... Um, he won, including ACS. Did you win nine or ten? I. They told me eleven. Eleven. Races this eleven year. races, and William won four. But um, William did the whole series and had a bunch of seconds and thirds and fourths because he did the whole series. He had fewer points drops. Sonny had a bunch of mechanicals at the beginning of, the, beginning of this year. It turns out it was uh, his cars uh, running on uh, an E85, and he had clogged injectors. And we didn't figure uh. out that it had killed the the main fuel filter, which had been changed some years ago, but it had killed it again. And took us forever to figure it out. So he missed, he basically DNF'd a whole bunch of races at the beginning of the year and was way down, nowhere near the hunt, and basically fought his way back to come within literally one more race. Had there been another race, uh, and there was the, with the, what was the deal with the Cherokee? Oh, oh SRT. Yeah. And so, so I heard about that. And so, okay, can we, can we do, well, we, obviously this won't be published for a while, so we can talk about Brazil spoilers, right? It might get published next week. Okay, well, by yeah, then, we everybody will see that. Or Friday. I don't know. F1 spoiler. So, 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 so F1 spoiler. spoiler. F1 spoilers here. <laughs> <laughs> for for, for Interlagos. Yeah, we, we saw um, 
Hamilton saw the Jeep Cherokee <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as the base car. So at oh god, you have to correct me if if I get this. So there was so uh, for Max's Cup, um, that's the uh, sprint racing series that we run here in Southern California. Um, I kind of organize it, and we don't rent the track ourselves. We're hosted by Speed Ventures, which is an HPDE group, right? So they have their HPDE sessions, and in the middle of the day, they have a race, and that's that's us, and we have our qualifying session. Anyway, in um, on was it Sunday? We oh, typically Saturday, actually. You want to see the post? Oh, yeah, so I kind of have the idea. You got so, it all in, in your head? Yes, more or less. So you guys can correct me as we go, because I won't be able to read that. You know, we, you'll need enhance, enhance. I can't read that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we need a phone on a phone on a phone. It needs so an we, iPad. Your, a your dog, would you like phones? We need like a magnifying glass. Like three iPads lined up so I can see it. Anyway, um, the uh, uh, so Sunday, we usually run at the end of the day, and there was some guy that had one of those Saturday, SRT. Actually. It was Saturday. Oh, it was Saturday. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. End of the day, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Saturday, we run, we typically run in today Saturday that way we can hop right out of the cars and start drinking right away barbecue barbecue <laughs> so uh, we and, and, and on a separate note we hire a, a chef to come out and cook for us on the events where we're allowed to cook on the, at, at the track side which we aren't at ACS so we really we, we all went out to a Mexican restaurant which had, had really good food as I recall but in anyway, Fontana Fontana yeah the restaurants actually, in Fontana what's the place Ooh, called that's risky Don, Don, I don't know what it is. I wasn't there. <laughs> oh, I can't remember. Don, everyone's looking day. at me, and I'm like, yeah. ah, that was, we'll, uh, we'll have to find it. Somebody, yeah. you can just email us, info at 949 Racing. What's that awesome? It's the best Mexican food. Manny Hernandez knows what the name is, and yeah, I don't yeah. know where he is right now. Was Don that's, where, that's where I have to go Don all the Chan, time. Don Chan or something like that? I, that sounds very close. A- anyway, so, so getting with the second story. So the story is sat, uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, we uh, in, in Max's Cup, we run two sprint races, and we run them back-to-back. We run this kind of a unusual... Four races per weekend, two races per day, but the two races are within the same on-track session. Yeah. Which is unheard of anywhere else, really. Yeah, to, nobody to else To run a race, that. do a cool-down lap, and then restage on the track and run another race without ever exiting. Fondo Don Chan. That was it. Yes. Man, so anyway... It's a tongue twister. Yeah, it is. So anyway... Um, so Saturday, yeah. So we go out. We do. We take. Uh, we take our green flag. We have our. We have our real. What we call super sprints. A really, really short race. It's in six to eight laps usually, and then we'll get our checkered. And then on that cool down lap, we actually form up and pull over and do like a leapfrog maneuver. On at we stop on on two turns before the, the the green flag again. Stop on track, uh, on the cool down lap. Leapfrog, invert the grid, and then take another green and do another sh- super sprint with an inverted grid. So it's huh. pretty wild. Well, that takes a certain amount of time on track. Well, the last session before the race, some guy in an SRT Cherokee, Grand Grand Cherokee SRT Grand eight. Cherokee Grand SRT eight, uh, whatever that is, that that thing. Um, <laughs> what he said, ran out of gas. Was it like front street or something? I don't know. Some, where he somewhere was. on track, was, ran yeah. out of gas, and of course when, had no tow hooks. Had no tow no hooks, recovery points no, on track. No recovery points, and he didn't know he'd run out of gas. We were like, I don't know, he's what happened? Go. What happened? And then it turned out to be too wide to fit on the flatbed tow truck that really? came to retrieve yeah. him. So it was, it was, it was a cluster. They naturally, we're the last session on track, was the race session, and they they, they closed it at the end of the day. So they had to cut one of our races. And Sonny had won all three. Probably would have won that one too. Had he won that one, he would have won the championship. Champion. But so the Grand Cherokee, maybe, but probably cost him the championship. There's also another thing that cost him the championship. Oh, there's well, there's many, many but things. Yeah, yeah. Even just at ACS. Yeah. So in Max's Cup, qualifying earns you a point. 
If you're yes, a pole so. qualifier, you you earn a point. And Sonny lost the championship by two raw points. Yeah, so if I had one qualifying, which I did not, I got second. And by the way, I lost qualifying by, get this, one hundredth of a second to William. Which Shouldn't he, have had that corn dog. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I, uh, to, be, to be fair, I, um, William witnesses on his... Uh, on his end, because it was right behind me when I saw it, I missed one corner. That basically cost me. I, I looked at my predictive; it was four tenths of a second. But regard, well, regardless, was drafting. If yeah, it was yeah, NASA, he would have been anyway. anyways. Yeah, so. but anyway. But the idea is that <laughs> if the reason why I didn't know that because my plan was going in, but he didn't know that the session was canceled until after qualifying was over, and I already had the game plan to have four races, not three. So to me, qualifying didn't matter. But then again, at this point, it's like, well. I should have planned for the very worst. Go for bro. Worst case scenario. Worst case Everything. scenario. Did not do it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I went out, didn't take qualifying seriously, which, by the way, you should take qualifying very seriously. I know. <laughs> if it came down to a point or two, yes, that's how I lost the championship. And I lost the championship effectively by a Jeep Grand Cherokee and 100th of a second. <laughs> yeah, so that was, it was, a, it was a close battle. It was a very, very tense. Uh, so tell us a little weekend. bit about Max's Cup and about Super Miata. I mean, you know, I, well, a we, lot of people have probably seen it on, on on the forums and yeah. online, but you know where where did it come from? Uh, where did you guys get the idea for it? And uh, it started, I think, um, you know, it's it's bits and pieces of things sort of sprinkling together, and then suddenly there's some things in front of you, all these little data points. And you go like, oh, that could be a race series. So for me, you go way back. I started as an autocrosser, and you know, I was impressed by guys who would road race. Then I started road racing. Okay, road racing is cool. It's real expensive, you know, but it's 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 really cool. And about the same time, I'm doing HPD with the turbo car. And the turbo car was fun and fast, but it wasn't really reliable. You know, back then, this is before track speed engineering kind of finished track turbos. Back when there were street turbos, like uh, the Flying Miata stuff, which is kick-ass street turbos, but they weren't really built for track stuff. And so, uh, you know, building a race car, it was real, a Miata race car, it was really fast for the track for racing. It's kind of hard to do. So the only way to do it was to build a normally aspirated car, because that was kind of a known thing. So... This is mid-aughts. This is 10, 12 years ago. We had the first ideas for a road, a spec road racing series, but it wasn't spec to be honest. It was a faster car, but cheaper to build. Um, so no pro motors, stuff like that. And we just kind of kicked around ideas, me and William and a few other people that were kind of in, in our sphere when I was first starting 949 Racing. Um, we kicked around the idea, and we had an idea, and I think it was actually it was Joe Guerin at Grassroots Motorsports. We were talking about ads one day and we had some discussion going back and forth and he says you should call it super miata because i talked about supercharged at the time i was thinking about uh doing superchargers he road says, should, yeah road track superchargers and he says you should call it super miata I said, that's a really cool name i said kind of dwelled on that and and i thought you know that actually works for a, on a couple of different levels and then we ended up making our parts brand super miata so our end links and the shocks we do the zeta shocks and all that's that's all super, super miata, miata parts yeah. brand right and then the wheels are the 949 racing brand but um but anyway the idea for the the spec series that was above spec Miata. And about this time, um, uh, I think it was Mazda, it was Mazda, the competition side of things. Um, I don't know if it was uh, Dean Case or someone else, someone there was pushing for a faster version of spec Miata. And they had the idea of doing turbo spec Miata. Huh. Um, and, and, and so I recall going to, this is would have been about, oh, Oh eight, yeah. Oh seven, oh eight. Sounds about right. Going to Auto Club Speedway, and seeing um, 
uh, oh gosh, I forget his name is going to kill me. The guy who used to, uh, head guy used to be at, uh, at, at Mazda Motorsports on the sales desk there. Um, he left there about two years ago. Gosh, I can't remember his, remember his name. Anyway, he was there and he was helping develop a turbo spec Miata. Huh. And it was a Grady turbo kit. Now, anybody, oh boy. anybody who's outside of that, I think, oh, a turbo kit, that's a great idea. But anybody who's in, in the Miata verse, they know knows what, the Grady kit. They go, knows what a joke that is. It's like, that is not going to work. Yeah. So, but they didn't know that. The Mazda Motorsports guys didn't know that. And, and meanwhile, I had been this, had this idea brewing in my head for for uh, for uh, uh, for a spec uh, you know class, and I thought, well, they're already going to do it, so I'll just kind of feed them my information a little bit. And I said, first of all, you take that Grady kit and throw it in the trash because you'll never get that to work. And just there will be nothing left of that kit except for the T25, and there's a better turbo to that. Anyway, it's a sleeve bearing. You really need to do a, a ball bearing turbo with that's water cooled. So, and I explained that all to him. I says, you might want to. Call this guy named Oscar Jackson. He's developing this Rotrex kit. That was back when he was partnered um, with, with Craftworks. And um, so they did. And they spent a year and a half trying to develop that. But that thing was underfunded. And they had the wrong kind of, didn't have the, the right chemistry of people doing the right tasks there. So it never really gelled. And I kind of was hands off. I didn't really help them because in the, I hate to say this, but I didn't really want it to work because I wanted to do my own series. It was going to be better. <laughs> and we did eventually. Now we have Max's Cup and it's actually working. And uh, we'll get into where it's going to go later in this. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some some other developments, but in, 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 for it expanding outside of California. But in any case, so that was that, and I kind of watched it, but I realized it was never going to go anywhere. They were just doing it wrong, and 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 every once in a while, I talk to to Oscar, and he'd say, "How's that going?" And he'd go like, "Ah, oh, dude, it's killing me. It's just not working." I tell him to do this, they do it the other way. I suggest it, they don't listen to me, and it's just not working. And uh, it, it was one of those things. Um, too many chefs. That's really what it was. I think huh. you have, have, have to have one guy on top of it. And I think looking back at all the people that were involved, any one of those guys probably could have done it, but there was too many chefs. I could see, like, well, this guy is really pushing for this aspect of it, and this guy's uh, pushing this aspect of it, and they didn't gel and it didn't work out. So in any case, that never worked. And then around this time, I started road racing with NASA. And as you know, we have stories about that. We did really well. We just kind of came in, and I came into it with um, probably more knowledge about the Miata platform, modified Miata platform on track from all my HPD experience, how to make them go fast, because that's all I'd done for the previous five years is modify the crap out of Miatas and figure out how to make them go fast. Well, it turns out I was one of the few guys actually doing that on the track, day in, day out, every weekend, modifying them, figuring out how to drive them fast, how to, how to build them to go fast. So, and then making parts from it's like, oh, this one part doesn't exist. So I guess I should, I need to design an engineer and produce that part. And so we did, and that made, made the platform better. So when we dropped in NASA PT, we were the overdogs, like immediately overnight, we, 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 we sucked at our very first event because we didn't read the rules. We showed up tired and car unprepared. The very next race we won and we pretty much won everything from there out for the next three years, including mm -hmm. national championships and everything. We pretty much swept everything. And so right away we figured out, oh, so all the knowledge is, is either um, spec Miata, which is if you're not a Miata person, you think, well, what's the difference? They're like, well, there's a huge difference because just like any other class, it's very specific. It's like a, a drag racer doesn't know what a NASCAR road racer knows. They're two different things. That's the key word, right. specific. There's right. a, a you know, specified parts list. Yeah, and and there's, a, and there's approach to it. It's like you're allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that. So, And if you work within those constraints... You, yeah. I mean, I guess at that point, 
for Miatas to be run in, in wheel the wheel classes. It was a lot of spec Miata. What some some F prod cars, I guess. That's the other. That's yeah, the other you sphere. Either, you it's like built a spec Miata. It's like one. Yeah, it's yeah, like one extreme or the other. Like very very basic spec Miata or like super crazy F prod cars. Yeah, F prod and E prod and the F prod and E prod cars. That's uh, really the prathers. They're kind of the top. They're like what we are with uh, with NASA PT. They were with uh, with E prod F prod. They know that stuff inside out and backwards. They did a little bit with spec, but if they were to go build a spec from scratch, they'd get their butt kicked by you know the, the Dragos and yeah. and and the Stains and those guys. Right. So and so we didn't realize coming in that we were now the we were now that the best in the world at that little sphere, and um, so we did that for a while. We're really successful, but unfortunately, um, uh, made a lot of good friends in NASA. Had a lot of fun, won a lot of races, and all that. And uh, but unfortunately, we, we realized soon that um, our approach of being really, really thorough and spending money and develop everything wasn't appreciated by everybody. I mean, it was really we were the only people who were having fun. The people who were racing against they didn't like it because they didn't want to spend the money that we were spending. And they didn't have time to develop the cars, and they simply didn't know what we knew. So they either thought we were cheating, or they knew we weren't cheating, and they resented us. Either way, you know, it didn't matter that we were just simply reading the rule book and knew more about the platform than they did. It's kind of like um, if you took Porsche. We were just talking about this on uh, at lunch today, talking about endurance racing. The Porsche Cup car is the most highly it, developed yeah, it's production, super reliable, super reliable. Is if you want to go race a twenty-four hour race in a production car. And you can afford a Porsche Cup car, just get the Porsche Cup car. There's car nothing is, better. There's nothing better. Regardless of budget, there's literally nothing the better. The knowledge base is there. The parts are all there. The develop, the, the, so it's like if you were to have developing that all in like Europe all this time and nobody knew about it in North America and you just dropped on North America for the first time ever, people are like, where did this car come from? Why is it so well developed? Well, that's what we were like the Miata. We had all this development, just dropped it. And it was like, what's how come? The, and, of course, we had all these rule changes constantly, Greg trying to stay one, you know, every year Miata's got nerfed and we he, still went faster. Yeah, and we still went faster. It's <laughs> like, okay, we'll add 50 pounds. Okay, we'll just switch this other thing. We'll just add 50 pounds. We'll just, we'll just do this other thing. And we kept doing that and we still know how to make them faster just by anything, anything out there. So, so anyway, um, the resentment kind of started up and, uh, there was a point where it's like, well, we've kind of won everything there is to win. We've won 25 a couple of times, beat all the factory teams a couple of times, won national championships a couple of times set track records to pretty much every track we, we went to and then we share the information all our customers are like slaughtering everybody everywhere and Dan, you know, Dan, Dan was a customer Dan over here is, I was a customer I bought some wheels yeah so <laughs> I bought some Zetas I bought some wheels and then I didn't keep, I my, to I didn't keep my car long enough for Zetas <laughs> so at that point we have all this built up knowledge on how to make the cars go fast and suddenly we come to a sort of a, a inflection point where it's like it's time to do something different it's time to spend less money and focus on the racing and share this and make a road racing series where there's a lot of Miatas that have this tech and not two or three because we would show up at Nationals there'd be three cars it'd be ours and then one of our customers and everybody else would just be a lap down would, right. so it's like and it happened over and over and over again the, the time that we went to races and it'd be me racing Sonny he'd win or I'd win and, and third place was a lap down every weekend and it's like you know this, this is not really racing this is like HPD we can do this by ourselves when well, we do a race series where there's like 14 cars that are all like this mm -hmm. and do a spec so that we don't have to run Hoosiers. We run a cheap tire and we power cap them so we can run junkyard engines and the yada yada. And we kept, and all the time we're racing with NASA, we would kick around and sit around and get drunk and talk about the spec series. So it was always kind of burbling in the background since before we started racing, you know. So by the time we got to the end of our, our, our kind of NASA arc, as it were, um, 
it was like, you know, this is the natural thing. We've already got the formula. Now we know how to do it. Let's just do it. So we did. And that's so we in, in the end of 2013, uh, we came back from na uh, nationals at uh, Miller. Miller. Miller yeah. yeah. And we said, let's just do it. We've been talking about it. Let's just, and it was mostly me telling myself, but I was talking to all the guys that are, you know, in, in the race team, you know, let's just, let's just make this happen. So, um, I threw get, I took my PT car and kind of modified it, put the Maxxis RC1 spec tire on it and did what I thought was going to be, you know, what we thought should be the spec. And we did some test events. We did, we did two races, I think. Yeah. One, the, the very first one I remember was, uh, in November month after nationals in 2013 at button willow yeah at, it was a counterclockwise clockwise quest if i remember correctly too yeah and it was like i don't know how many cars we had eight or ten it was at that point nobody with the series hadn't started yet we were just trying to get people to build it to the spec and kind of see how the spec was going to work oh, these cars are going to be reliable they're going to be fun to drive yada yada i think i was the only car that was to the full tentative spec and williams was close homer. and huh homer Homer, you built the rule set for your car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the deal was the whole time I'm doing this, it's sort of a uh, yeah, it's an autocracy. I make the final decision on everything, but at the same time, I always poll everybody else. You know, say, hey, what do you guys think? Is am I totally doing the wrong thing here? And everybody would say, well, have you thought about that? And I go like, oh no, I haven't. You're right. We need to consider that. So we'd make little tweaks in the rules. Yeah. It's um, all really public. There's like a private Facebook group for the drivers and. Rule changes for next year get discussed openly beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, because I can't think of every contingency. Yeah, it's definitely not just one guy behind the scenes pulling strings and saying, hey, I don't want that guy to win again next year. Yeah, yeah. I kind of act as president to make the final final call on things, but I have the cabinet, and the cabinet is basically all the drivers. Mm -hmm. And sorry to bring up the political thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who's, who's the Ben Carson of Superman? Uh, so do, do you guys have an electoral college, I guess, when you vote on stuff? Uh, yeah, it's whoever buys me the most beer. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm thirsty. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. But you guys anyway, want to, um, uh, you want to take a pause real quick? No, you guys keep talking. I'll get yeah. beer. Okay. Uh, if, I remember, if I remember correctly from that very event in, the, uh, in November 2013, uh, that very first test event, um, um, Amelia obviously had the ideal spec for what Super Miata should be or whatever because we didn't have to settle the spec yet. So It was tentative at that point. We said, yeah. let's try this. And I was the only car that had built to whatever this was. I'll take that. Thank you very much. Can I have a <laughs> cold mug, please? And then a few our, clinking sounds. We're sitting in our break room. Our break room has no less than three refrigerators <laughs> to store all the beer. That's an old school refrigerator. That, that is. That's, and a, yeah. The cube, yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. So yeah, so I had the only car that was. Do you like IPAs? No. <laughs> Built to to the spec. Uh, Austin, in case uh, you didn't hear Dan there, you, Austin has to make a very important decision about three different IPAs. I'll take the middle one. The Saint Archers. Double you IPA. You want a cold mug for that? Sure. Of course you do. Man, look at this hospitality. <laughs> Are those? Oh, I thought those were nine four nine mugs. No, there's. That's a good idea. We need to do that. Yes, we do. Nine four nine beer mugs. That's an yeah. excellent idea. So anyway, at the Button Willow, so the event went really well. And I think that's when we first started um, experimenting with uh, standing starts. I think we started with rolling starts, but we did two races. And then about, so this, these, we did two races. I think we did Chuck Walla too, didn't we, in 13? No, it was ACS in December, oh, right okay. after that. Oh, okay. uh, the only reason I remember that is because I won one of those races. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, um, I need to make a mention of this. So that race I won at ACS in December uh, 2013, which it was a month before we 
finalized the rules and made the official season, the first official season was uh, 14. opener, which is 14th of January or February. I forget which one. Yeah. But the last race that was, the last test race that we did, um, we were testing the 20, 20, 20, 205 50. Yeah, but right then it was a 205-50-15 uh, RC1. And the, um, at that point, one of our... First ever test tires, which were actually proto tires um, that Maxis ever gave us, which at that point were, I had to guess, like 12, 13 heat cycles in or something the like that. The 205 RC1s? Yeah. The, the oh, that's, yeah, because you let me borrow some oh, tires. Oh, that's right. On, at that on time, a, yeah. the spec tire was brand new. It was like, I, I think I did the first race. We, we didn't all have enough 205 RC1s. That became the spec tire for the first year. Yes. But that's right. When we did the test races, there weren't enough of those tires to go around. We were building literally working with Maxis to build the spec tire for the class. And one of the things is like, well, make sure it works for you. So they gave yeah. us the set. So the very first set went on my car and then we all took turns driving them before they were, before they finally got Weren't you in the, the video, like the promo video for it when it came out? Probably. Yeah. And so was Sunny too. If you look okay. at the, all the print ads now currently running yeah. for Maxis that show that green Miata, that was a street car that I just sold and all the buttercup. Yeah, he looks better in his driving suit than those I are, do. Those are tens on there, right? <laughs> tens, yeah. Yeah, looks <laughs> looks awesome. It looks mean. Yeah, that was the that was the fitment of the ages for the for the Miata. But um, but yeah, so we were testing uh, testing the tires um, there at thirteen. So anyway, we did the test events, and the goal was to run the full first full season in fourteen, um, with schedule, you know, full deal uh, points and everything. Not much in the way of prizes, mostly just focused on the racing. So we did. Um, now, some of your listeners are in the Midwest are probably familiar with uh, WRL. Yep. And um, if you're familiar with WRL or raced, to that, raced with them, then you kind of get our ethos, which is um, no frills. You, you show up, there's, you know, there's no TV coverage, there's no, no big sponsors, no big contingencies. It's just the racing. The racing is very, very hardcore. I always tell people who are coming into the series, don't think it's a bunch of gentleman racers who are like afraid to get within five feet of each other. Um, you know, it, various races will have like two or three standing and three or other former national champions um, in, in the class, guys who drive vets and Porsches. And, and so most, I mean, not to say that we, we, don't, we don't crash into each other like in Spec Miata, but there's a lot of donuts on the cars and Dan's <laughs> rolling his eyes. <laughs> but, Sorry, Dan. It, but, <laughs> but it's a, but it's hard racing. You know, we, we race super hard. So um, so that was the idea for, for 14 to build something that was real racing, but uh, keep the cost down. So um, and that's where the spec came from. I mean, how the configuration that we finally settled on at the end right. of 13. Yeah, actually, I was going to finish that story. So Sorry. The, 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 tire, the tire was actually the reason why we settled on the tires, because after about 12 or 13 cycles, which that was our very first tire we ever got. And I decided to. You know, I didn't have any tires at that point, and Amelia let me borrow the, the test tires effectively. And I already knew going in that that tire was about probably going to be quartered mid race, if not beginning of the race. It was really down, but we didn't have any tires left. So I ran on a borrowed car with borrowed tires, won that race, found out that um, laps that we did a few months before the first test race in Buttonwillow, which is probably like August or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, ran a certain lap time and it was, we recorded the surface temperatures and ambient temperatures of the tire at the time, which was brand new at the time. Decem come around December, which was nearly quartered, so many heat cycles in. Many, I, many heat cycles. I yeah. think, I think we, I, I stopped marking them because they had like, 
like 18 or 20 heat cycles on them. And they, you know, they've been raced like yeah. a bunch in a lot of practice laps and setup laps anyway. Yeah. So my fast lap of that race was within a half second, in similar conditions, ambient, ambient temp and service temp. And I won that race on effectively quarter oh, tires. Yeah. The first set of 205 RC1s. <laughs> on the very first ever. set of our, uh, yeah, RC1 205-50-15s ever made. Yeah, so <laughs> what, we, what we discovered there, the, the good thing was, and which my conversations with my contact, uh, John Wu at Max's Tires, were for the RC1 when they were developing it, um, they, they uh, you know, he was pulling various different drivers and industry guys, race team owners, for for input and i think he uh i don't know how much uh, of a role i played in that i was one of the people that he would you know pull and talk to and i know we would spend many times driving down the freeway for an hour and a half talking to him about <laughs> tires and many many times about you know what, what they needed to do who the target market was for it and my thing was um they don't need to be the fastest tire but if you want the track day guys and the race guys to like them they've got to be good to the last drop the whole the expenditure i don't mind a tire that's really fast and wears fast as long as it's good all the way down the court i don't want to have to you know if they fall off after five heat cycles um quite a bit then to be competitive you always have to have new tires on regardless of whether there's rubber left on it and so the the two polar extremes would be like uh say uh who's your you know the a series tires so they are super fast and they actually you can get a couple of heat cycles out of them mm -hmm. but they drop off about a second lap on a two minute course after about four heat cycles or so now you can run them out to 18 or 20 and they're still pretty quick but they are a second slower there's no denying that and it some people are going to read this or hear this and say oh that's bs it's like well if you're a, t a top national level guy nobody runs old hoosiers that, yeah they don't for run an important them race long. you yeah. don't run them that long you run you, they become you roll them over and become practice tires so to be competitive, you have to buy a new set of tires, and they're expensive, and they don't last very long. The flip side, the opposite extreme, would be the old, the ancient uh, Toyo RE1, which is actually a sport street tire design from Japan that Joe Jordan brought over with their funky uh, tread compound. And that tire, when, once it's shaved, they were good right down to the cord, and the Spec Miata guys learned they're actually faster when they when they're bald, when they have a lot of heat cycles on them. So they would actually season the tires and carefully prep their Nationals tires. Huh. So they'd have like one or two 30 seconds on them before runoffs. And they'd start them at four and actually get us. They were best when they had a certain number of heat cycles on them. So the beauty of that is those tires last. And so like, okay, I'm willing, if I have a choice between this tire and that tire for my racers to, to race on, I don't want them to always have to be buying new tires. I want them to be able to run on old tires and have them be good to the last drop. And the 205 RC1, when, when we got to that at the end of 13, the beginning of 14, and we saw that what, what the tires were doing, we're like, yes, we got it. So we know that these drivers can buy a set of stickers, be com pretty competitive on stickers, and they just stay the same. They're the same speed all the way down to the last little bit. We were getting six, seven, eight hours out of those tires. It's wow. Fun. And guys were still setting... We were still winning races and getting cars on pole with tires that are just about ready to cord. Then you pull them off and put put a set of stickers on, you know. And you'd try to scuff your stickers off. Um, you'd try to never go out with stickers because they were fastest once they had, once they'd been had one heat cycle on them. So, so the whole having needing to have stickers to be competitive that got tossed out the window. And that was one of my big prereqs with uh, with uh, with Maxis. It's like this tire's got to be good. It's got to be real medium heat cycle life the ultimate speed doesn't matter because if everybody's on the same tire it doesn't matter whether they'll run 201s 202s 201.5s kind of doesn't matter as long as they're all about the same the guy who's got 630 seconds and the guy that's got 130 seconds are doing basically the same lap time within a few tenths of a second of right. each other so what and, makes it such a great spec tire yeah, yeah and that was 
that was really pleasing. And that, um, again, it's, you know, so many things that went into building the series. It seems simple on the outside, you know, it's a spec class, you show up, you race, but we, uh, fussed over the details, fussed over those details. Absolutely. Trying to get, trying to keep the cost down. So ultimately, again, anybody's listening to this, if they do, if they autocross, do time attack, drift, road racing, do you, drift, do you even drift, bro? Uh, <laughs> or do you, do you even lift, bro? Do you even, yeah, lift, exactly. do you even lift? Do you lift when you drift? So um, it's always cost at every level, all the way up from Formula One, all the way down. You always, it's uh, like the Peter Principle, you always rise to the level of your own competence. So in this case, it's always rise to the level of your bank balance. It's like right. you're, al you're always going to spend as much as you can possibly do and, and be able to get to a certain number of events. So Simply put, racing is what's what's, what's the phrase? Uh, it's the art of turning money into noise. So the less <laughs> the less money it costs, the more people are going to be able to come out to race. So yeah. we we looked at the very simple formulas, like you know what? Let's not get caught up on how sexy the cars are. What kind of prizes we're giving Let's out? Let's be honest, they're not very sexy. They're not very. They're Miatas. They're Miatas. They're they're anti-sexy. Yeah, they're half of them look Martin like Craft Aero. Martin Craft. Joanne's Fabric, Home Depot Motorsports. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know they work. They're very robust. They go faster, quite a bit faster than a than a spec Miata, and they do it for about one fourth the price of a runoff level spec Miata. A runoff right. level car would show up at a Max's Cup race and get its doors blown off. And a runoff level motor, those are good for about three to five hours before the valve seats are shot, right? Yeah. Um, and one of our cars, you know, the litmus is 100 hours. It's got to be able to run 100 hours and still win races. Because they're detuned, you know, after about 30 hours or so, it's no longer making the 140 horsepower power cap. Now you dyno and it's making 134. It's like, okay, add a degree of timing. Okay, now it's back to 139. Let's go race for another year you know, on the same motor, and you just can't beat that. You can't yeah. beat the value of that. So uh, it's, uh, there's no other correlation. I always say it's, it is the least expensive production car road racing in North America, and I will stand by that. Anybody who challenges me in that says, show me the math, show me your number. <laughs> bring and a I, spreadsheet bring and a spreadsheet. we'll talk. We'll talk, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I will, it's definitely the least expensive. So a lot of thought went into that, you know. Also, too, I want to mention about the cost is that uh, part of the reason why Max's Cup lease because this is a Southern California, uh, well, also Northern California, but basically an almost exclusively California-based series. As of now. As of right now. But no. But we'll, we'll of the three years we've done this, the three seasons we've done this so far, um, part of the uh, cost savings is also with the organizers that we run. Yeah. Yeah, so we, and, and this is, um, to be fair, I mean, it, it's not an apples to orange uh, comparison because most of the other sanctioning bodies the sanctioned road racing, they, they're renting the track and paying for all, all the track insurance, and they also promote the series. So um, it's for profit. Um, Super Miata, Max's Cup, um, I sort of write the rules, and I share some of the uh, kind of organizational duties with, with some of the other drivers that are kind of uh, head of affairs. But most of the actually running the events is all done by Speed Ventures. Now, they, they host the, the uh, HPD events. Um, they charge entry fee. I don't make any money off it. I actually, I spend more money than I, you know, I don't, I don't make any, any profit off of it. So it, in, in that sense, it is, it's kind of a not-for-profit. Um, it's a little bit, you can almost compare it to the SCCA models. The SCCA is not, I mean, the board, those guys get paid and all that, but it's not like they're there to make money like some other organizations are there specifically to, to, to earn a profit. And you get a sense of that when you, when you work with them. 
you know, you get the sense that that's what they're driven by. Their motivation is the way the, the, way the rules are, uh, the way the rules are enforced, the way the, um, uh, selfie time, sorry. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, with, with us, uh, so yeah, that, that affects um, uh, the cost. So essentially the guy comes up and pays the HPD entry fee and it's 20 bucks a day. Yeah, 20 bucks a day. To add on for the, for the race group. So I mean, it is dirt cheap. So it's you not bad up, at all. Yeah. So you end up paying less than you would with any other sanctioning body that has just road racing, and we get more track time because you're getting five 20-minute sessions, plus, you know, and including the race. And sometimes it's plus the race. So typically, it's about three hours of track time for the weekend, for less than it costs to go do a road road racing weekend. And so the second question we usually get is like, oh, what about safety? It's like we have the same we have the same crews, same training. Um, we have. Uh, you know, ALS events, life support on, on hand, um, EMTs, they're not paramedics, they're actual who can do, uh, what do they call it? Um, yeah, advanced life support. Um, so the same kind of stuff uh, you're going to get at a, at a normal, uh, normal club race. So everything is, is still there, just it costs less. Um, and really, so that was kind of, that's always been the driving force behind the cup. It's, um, is to get, get the costs down, get the parity where it is. And I knew that parity is, SRF did a great job with that. SRF, uh, for those of you who don't know, that's Spec, Spec Racer Race Ford. Ford. That is the biggest, most popular road racing class in North America, closely followed by Spec Miata. Now, Spec Miata is a misnomer because it's actually not a spec class. They run four different platforms, and they're constantly tweaking each one to the other, um, like balance of power, like you do in any pro racing class, oh, except for F1 where you don't have balance, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, balance of performance. Bounce performance, yep, right? BOP, 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 yep. right? So in every other every other pro racing class, and I mean every other, whether you're talking about DTM, BTCC, the, everything's all got uh, balanced performance. So one guy, oh, you did too well. Here's your 20 pounds of ballast for this week. Oh, here's your restrictor. It's a millimeter smaller. So everybody gets that. Spec Miata, they do that about once a year. They tweak. You know, one guy gets a little bit more weight, and and, and of course everybody cheats anyway. So I, sorry to that. I know your Spec Miata <laughs> friends out there, you're going to hate that, but the reality is. You guys are like NASCAR. You're pushing the very limits of what the rules are. We make it really simple. You got to make 140 horsepower, um, and you're you have a specific power area. We don't care what you do with the motor. Do you want to show up with big valves? Fine. You got to make 140 horsepower. And the guy with the junk air motor, he's going to make 140 horsepower too. Yeah, it's pretty simple. So um, it's always been built to keep the keep the cost down. So SRF does sealed motors. That's why I brought that up. Is that is true spec? Here's your motor. Here's your ECU. This is the chassis you run. This is the tire you run. Here's your shock. Here's your shock. Everything. It's yeah. completely spec down. And the thing is, if you ever watch SRF, it's very close racing. They're low-powered, ultimate momentum cars. There's some really uh, outstanding drivers, outstanding competition. You just have to be love driving the little bathtub car, which isn't, doesn't really appeal to me. But I get that for the guys you're in it, they love it because it's real, it's real racing. Yeah, they've got some big fields. Too. They're huge fields. Yeah. They're huge fields. Yeah, um, and it's truly comes down to the driver. It totally does come down. And you got to set up. you got to be able to set your car up. You say, like, okay, I need to lower my ride height. I need to tweak my air pressures. I need to put a little bit less camber in the back. And you got to learn how to set up a car, which is great. Any good racing series, I think, shouldn't be a car that has, like, no setup. Because that part of learning to drive is like, hey, I want to know how it feels like when I drop the rear tires, you know, a half pound or raise my front ride height or tilt the car to the left for this, you know, counterclockwise track, things like that, right? So, um that's okay to do that, but even that should be limited adjustments. They don't have like you know, four-way adjustable shocks and adjustable discs and any of that exotic esoteric stuff. It's it's basic rudimentary car stuff. Hey, I'm going to raise a little of the ride height, play with the air pressure, play with my camber. That's Done. it. Done. Yeah. 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 And, that, and, yeah and obviously, if you anybody listening to this has messed with the car, you know that, that can really change the way the car handles. And if it's a close close class, 
that can be a couple tenths of a second per lap difference, and that's the combination of that and your driving skill and racecraft, what should make the difference. That's a win. Right. Yeah. Well, there's not as much strategy when it comes to picking parts and things like that because yep. you really can't. There's no, right. yeah, out engineering your competitor as far yeah. as building the car. On that subject, though, um, that's the difference we have here at Maxis Cup Super Miata because um, even though I know a lot because I, you know, get me a lot, you know, I, I hang around Emilio because I work here too much. Um, it, Let's and be that, frank, you're the one that does Emilio's alignments. He does all of it. Physically, you're He's the one it. actually setting up Emilio's car. Yeah. So, I so, taught him how to do alignments in 2010, and pretty much every car we ever raced and won anything with, Sonny's done the alignment on, including Dan's car that won Western States. Uh, yeah, just a couple weeks ago. A couple yeah. weeks ago. Sonny crew chief to double NASA national champion in 2016. So, yeah. he's got He's got driver's championships. He's got Crew chief championships. I mean, that alignment was so spot on. You could drive it with one hand, right? I could. <laughs> and I, I essentially Jeez. did. Well, that's a little bit of cat back. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, we'll but get anyway, to that later. Well, well, what I was getting at. we got to talk about that after I get my introduction. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I introduced you. You did. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. I started. I went, I went this way. <laughs> said Dan Howard, Emilio Cervantes. You got introduced before everybody. Hey. So... So for okay, so Sonny is the warehouse manager here. He makes sure you get all your stuff. Dan is our sales manager. He joined and FNG. us. FNG. What's that? FNG. FNG. Yeah. Freaking new guy. That's right. <laughs> Mocked openly. Um, started with this about what seven weeks ago, six seven weeks ago. Something yeah, like that. first week of September, right for Labor Day. Um, moved out here from Ohio. Was a good customer. Was racing a PT OH. out there. Yep. And. Uh, and uh, came out to join us as a sales guy, and uh, we I kind of had the crazy idea, hey, that car you're thinking about selling, um, about two weeks after we arrive here is NASA Western States. Maybe we should, like, throw some of my 949 tech at it, and we should, like, go, like, win another championship. And he's like, you sure? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he brought it out, and we scrambled to get that car tested, switched over. Scrambled, scrambled. That was last minute. A lot of, a lot of late nights, but we uh, made it out there and uh, um, owned it. You know, we had uh, we had an oil leak at the end that almost almost cost us the win. But sh short of that, we were pretty much owning it. Which we were over there looking at the car. It might just be that PCV valve. Yeah, so we think it is. Compression checks fine. Yeah. Leak downs fine. It starts, runs, zero noise. Made 139 on the dyno after the race, so it was down like seven horsepower. But we have yet to find anything wrong with it. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. What we're thinking is the 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 our setup was so good that we were making so much lateral grip. Zeta shocks and nine four nine racing six two L wheels just overpowered the factory ventilation system crankcase. We, there's that. certain turns we set the car up um, to tur work really well on on that particular course on that particular day. So you know the peak G's are over one point five G, and we found in the past. That that can sometimes overwhelm the stock uh, PCV system. The huh. oil gets si it spends too much time on the side of the valve cover, and it doesn't happen very often. Um, but it did there um, because of the the we were doing Riverside um, counterclockwise, so it's turning left. left, going into the PCV. And normally we run clockwise where it goes away from the PCV, but it was going into the PCV and sustaining 
a lot of oil, yeah. a lot of oil there. Against and so, the PCV, now, a lot of S2000s have that problem. Mine yeah. used to fill a catch can in like three laps. The AP1s, I used to have an AP1, same thing. Yeah, the AP2s, they changed the plumbing a tiny bit, and the problem was uh, was greatly abated. Reduced, but, yeah. Yeah, but the AP1s were really bad. That was comical. You watch them at certain tracks, um, right-handers. Smokescreen. Yeah, yeah. Smokescreen. <laughs> smoke so that's, so that's exactly what it was. was. And, right it, uh, and it was pumping it into the, the intake manifold. Yep. And so it would lose a bunch of power until it pumped it back out. So it would start to just start to the power start to come back as it pumped the oil out, and then he'd turn again and it would fill it again. And so you know, yeah. So anyway, he lost a bunch. Of the, it started to get really bad towards the end of the race, and all the cushion he'd built up, uh, he all, all but lost it, and was barely hung on for the win at the, all, at the all end. Of it. Lost uh, all but of the car it. was really good. But in, in yeah. any case, that was uh, so. That's the long, that's the long introduction for Dan. So that's yeah. what, that's Dan's role here. He is now our sales manager. The best was uh, when Dan told me that he he won essentially with one arm. <laughs> well, yeah. So the short introduction would be, I was a customer who believed the gospel, so to speak. Uh, I bought the parts, I used all the setup advice, and um, was really successful in my rookie year in the Midwest region. And I then, should point out, too, this was on a, a car with virtually no budget. It was one of those, I'm going to see how far I can go without spending any money at all i have some parts laying around i'll throw it together um you get a good deal on a motor the motor the motor you have it's a good motor it's an x spec miata yeah uh, i Um, bought well yeah i had an na that i'd had for eight or nine years that just slowly turned into a arrow gutted six point cage built motor you know unstreetable time trial car and i decided hey uh let's try this wheel to wheel thing so I, I bought a used, you know, 99 NB donor car that happened to have a like, junkyard, you know, used spec Miata motor in it and ran it on a dyno reclass with rubber bushings, stock ECU, and literally just Zetas and eventually an OS Geekin. But early in the season, stock open diff, stock sways, stock bushings, stock ECU, stock header, and for those of you outside of the, again, outside of the Miataverse, this is on paper a very, very uncompetitive car, in 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 a tightly uh, competitive class. Back in the in the mid, what's it Mid Lakes? What it is? Great, Great Lakes. Great, Great, Lakes. Great Lakes region. Yeah, they combined yeah, P- the Midwest yeah, and the Great Lakes. PTE is pretty big. Yeah, PTE is actually pretty big there, and some of the best guys in in the country out there. So he showed up with a car that was woefully underprepared and underfinanced, but. He stuck to the formula and spent the few bucks he had on the key components, did the, um, did all the, the setup stuff that we shared, and drove the absolute ever-loving snot out of it, and actually managed to win some races um, early on in his rookie year, set some lap records. So um, anyway, so that was, the, that was the interesting thing. So it wasn't just that you did it, but you did it with... With I nothing, was impressed yeah. with nothing, with no money. Yeah. And we have a lot of our customers here because Miata is an inexpensive car, and there's guys that buy everything from us and go full whammy, and there's a lot, a lot of people that just you know, pick and choose. Well, I can only afford this one part and that part, but I'm going to do your setup, and it makes a difference. Well, see, it was only after you started winning that you, you hired them. So well, it's a pre-rate <laughs> for the job. It's kind of a pre-rate. The interview yeah. process went, hey, um, I kind of need a sales guy, mm-hmm. and... Let me see how you do it mid-Ohio next month, and then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> so anyway, on, on, that, on, on, that, on that note, um, so, you know, he, uh, Dan followed the formula, and the idea is that the fact that we know 
our chassis and our platform so well is the reason why Super Miata was because kind of the way it is because we you know can maximize the yeah, dollar maximize spent dollar minimal mods per, for maximum performance per dollar spent. Yeah, if you if you were you know gonna build the you know like nine four four spec, that's a cool class, you know, and I, I'm gonna guess that it wasn't somebody outside of the Porsche environment that wrote the rules because they wouldn't think about the cars. Like, if I wrote the rules, it'd be totally wrong. The Porsche yeah. guys, they all be up in arms. What? Ah, you're doing it wrong. This will break you. So, but if you get somebody who really knows the platform to write the rules and, again, having the mission statements like, you know, there, there's no conflict of interest because the things that make the car fast that cost a lot of money, I don't allow. And people ask me, well, why don't you allow this cool part that you sell? It's just because they're expensive. Frankly, and, and I don't want all the people I know, few people will come out and race with us if I make, for example, we, we have a really cool differential OS Geek and Diff and we do our own custom proprietary tune for it. And well, yeah, I know it'll make the cars a second lap faster on some tracks and more than that on others. It's realistically, it's two grand. By the time you get it put yeah. in, it's 1800 bucks. It's like everybody instantly has to do that to be competitive. It's like, but you know what? It doesn't make the racing any more fun. And as a good friend always tells me, he always, that was just, you know, Brian Wood. We'd always be years past be hashing out some some thing that some conundrum that I had, and he would always interrupt me. He said, "Yeah, but is it more fun?" And I would always have to stop and think, "Yeah, well, that's really what drives the whole thing." And it goes back to the cost thing. We all want to go race, and ultimately, it's like, "Well, what can we afford?" You know, what's the what I say the, the CFO? You know, the, the, what's the wife or the girlfriend going to allow us to spend on? It? It's like, okay, well, I can, my budget this year. That's Dan's story. Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's everybody. So everybody listening. She'll to never this. listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody who's listening to this who's married knows it's like, yeah, it's really what it comes down to. It's like, you know, uh, this is something I do on the side, and realistically, I've got, a, I've got these, I have these other, uh, you know, obligations. So what can I afford to spend on this? And the more I can afford to spend on it, um, the more, more I can race. But if it's limited, then I have to find a way to save my money on, uh, on racing. So we built um, the rules with that in mind first. Right. So what uh, what exactly is allowed for I know last season and the previous season you guys were running S2. Um, you know what what is allowed in that class for the cars? Well, we'll go over, you said 140 horsepower. Yeah, we'll go over it. So so what you start with is Previously it wasn't even named. It wasn't yeah, S2. Just Super Miata. Well, it was always we never publicly announced or, or, or stated at S2, but it was always S2 because originally we the concept was always let's do a forced induction class, but um, there was some with with the Rotrex cars that was originally uh, planned for the Kraftworks thing. That sort of imploded because my relationship with Kraftworks didn't really work out because uh, Oscar Jackson left, left. Kraftworks, yep. and um, we felt that the kit, the final production kit, there wasn't really suited to what what we, what we wanted. So we just said, you know, let's let's shelve that for the time being, and. And then um, years later, um, Oscar was able to start developing his own uh, kit, and that's been a long development process. He's involved in, he does OE consulting, and he runs his race team for his son, who just won, uh, Oscar Jackson Jr., who just won uh, T4. Yeah. T4, badass. Yep. He, and just so you know, he's at Austin, you know, he's a badass driver. Yeah. He was, I was very, very honored to have him on our 2011 uh, Thunderhill 25 hour winning team. But anyway, there's a lot of resources there, so he hasn't finished his road tracks kit. So meanwhile, I'm thinking, well, we don't really have a kit to make our supercharged Miata. Supercharged Miata. And the turbo kit didn't exist. You could build one, but they were all one-off. And a, a big part of the Super Miata rule set, well, it's also, it's got to be simple. It's yes. got to be simple. It's got to be something that your average guy can do 
without needing to be handheld for me. He can't go, well, like, I need Emilio's personal cell phone so I can have him walk me through this. Well, the series would never grow with that. It's got to be something we can just publish up, publish it on a forum someplace or on a website, and they can, they can have access to it. So we ixnade the, the, S, the, the S1 concept. Let's, let's instead, let's do something a lower class. We'll call it S2, and I think for now, we'll just call it Super Miata. So originally, the first year, we had no title sponsor. It was just Super Miata. So that's why S2. So anyway, so S2 became, let's just stick with our, uh, our rental formula. And we have some Miata customers listening to this who know about that old car, the 95R. Dan and I were talking. I want to replicate that car or the, the old silver. The 99 uh, yeah, rental. Super, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the 99, 99 rental. rental was groundbreaking. I yeah, mean, was, that was the groundbreaking car. Which actually we renamed Super for. Super Miata. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that car actually became a race car later mm -hmm. on. And that was um, really just carefully chosen sort of um i call it like the the bonsai you know you know how they build a, how they grow a bonsai tree it grows really slow and they'll shield it from light and it'll turn a certain way and they're just very delicately affecting the way this little plant grows and affecting its shape and the idea is to do as minimum amount of stuff possible to get it to work if it doesn't need to be done don't do it and it, just keep yeah. things as simple as possible so um mix and match the best of the oem parts yeah and this and is something if you're like a aftermarket stuff if you're like a honda civic guy we're like well yeah of course but that, all the best b series parts yeah the best right. case or parts. if you're uh, or yeah. uh, uh a1 a2 golf you know same thing you mix and match the parts so like they all know how to do that um so but that had never really been delved into for the miata platform nobody had ever really done that and so i started looking not just for the north american uh, the USDM parts, but the non-USDM parts, and started doing a little research and finding parts from other countries that you could get um, pretty cheap on eBay, mixing and matching different things, and found a combination that made for a car that kind of reset the paradigm. Up to that point, it was don't bother with a normally aspirated Miata because they're not fast, um, except for spec Miatas, which have you know built pro motors, and even those aren't that fast. If you really want to go fast in Miata, you do a turbo car. But at that time, and still kind of the case, unfortunately, people show up to the track with turbo Miatas, they always break. We have a kind of a standing joke. It's, we only ever see them, you only ever see them once or twice because they show up, break, go home, fix it, you know, have an argument with their wife, show up, break again, and that's it. The car never comes <laughs> back again. And, 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 and this isn't, you know, this isn't hyperbole. This is fact. This happens over and over and over and over again. We kept seeing it's like, well, why don't we just do a normally aspirated car? And so... So the, the answer is like, well, it, it'll be too slow. But what if you made it like lighter and gave it just a little bit more power so that power to weight ratio is right at the bottom of what a turbo car is. We pull some weight out and add a little bit, get the right combination so it's reliable power, but don't go any pa anywhere past that reliable power window. And so we came up with the package. It was uh, 160 horsepower at the wheels, which doesn't seem like a lot. But you take the stock Miata, they're not really heavy anyway, pull a few key components out, uh, lightweight hardtop, a few uh, simple stuff, nothing really exotic. Suddenly, it's 200 pounds, 150 pounds lighter than stock, and you get a car that goes from, say, 17 to 1 power-to-weight ratio, which is nothing fancy, down to about 13 and a half to 1. It's like, well, 13 and a half to 1, that's no big deal. It's like, It's like well, S2000. It's like an S2000. People yeah. say, well, 13 and a half, 1 is no big deal. Well, you know what? A 175-pound driver in this little cheap Miata has the same power-to-weight ratio as a 300-horsepower Subaru SKI with, like, a 190-pound driver in it. That's like what? It's like yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have the top end speed, but I can guarantee you, when it comes down to the braking zone, one is going to destroy the other one. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We showed up with this car, and for the first time ever, a a cheap, normally aspirated, reliable track Miata 
was way under all the spec Miata lap records. Not just the local guys, but the SCCA national, national fastest. The Hoosier mm-hmm. tire. The Hoosier tire record. Yeah. Well, this is pre-Hoosier. This is back when the, when the RA1 was the... Oh, it was Toyo? Yeah, when it was all, when it was all Toyo RA1. But still, we were way under those, uh, way under those, not a little bit, but like way under those lap records. I remember publishing that and people were saying like, no way. It's like, dude, here's the video, here's the data. And, and so everybody started copying the formula. So that brought out a sort of a, a bit of a renaissance in people wanting to do track Miatas, but not even messing with turbos. And suddenly you went from seeing um, like two or three stock engine slow Miatas and three turbo Miatas that were blown up to seeing like 14 normally aspirated fast Miatas with all of our parts on them showing up at your local HPD events all across the country. And that sort of fed, actually fed PTE in some way because people yeah, had these yeah. cars. I mean, you know, Jason Kohler and I had a talk after Nationals in 2012, and we're like, yeah, S2000 stuff's fun, but, like, really, there's nobody to race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we've been keeping an eye on on what you guys have been doing with PTE and PTD and PTC cars, and we're like, you know what? Keeping an eye on with big air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, you know what? Let's just do that. So Jason sold his, um, you know, he sold his car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mothballed mine and planned on building a PTE car. Uh, me and Aaron Lichty and mm-hmm. and everybody in the Midwest kind of had an agreement. I'm the only one that yeah. didn't follow through because uh, my donor car became the first K Miata. Yeah. So I sacrificed it for the good of the community. There you but... go. <laughs> Socialist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> so 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 that with the uh, so with, with that car. That was our first big thorough bumper-to-bumper experiment in how to build an HPD car that you could pound on. So we had like, had like an oil cooler on it. We did, I, at the time, I built my first prototype of a reroute and stuck it on that car. And, oh, the coolant um, reroute? Yeah. yeah. For it, the it, non-Miata listeners, the Miata has a front-wheel drive super engine <laughs> turned 90 degrees in a rear-wheel drive car. A super long coolant light. Yeah, yeah. with a really <laughs> handicapped coolant system. Outlet and inlet of the water pump are both on the front of the motor. For those of you Lotus, uh, Lotus Elise, you know what we're talking about. The yeah. same, they have the same problem. The, the design flaw, design flaw, right? So, um, and so, uh, and all that knowledge, all those bits and pieces, we had all this stuff kind of waiting in the wings. So, and, and so, this was uh, I think oh eight oh nine when I first built that car, started running it, um, and. Just after that, when we started racing with NASA in, in 10, uh, so 10, 11, 12, 13, all through 13. So it was only about four years we did that, but we kind of swept through it very quick like a wildfire and, you know, and then, it, you know, it kind of changed a, a lot of, like I said, changed the paradigms there for, for what the car was capable of. We were proud of, I lost count, it was like 16 rules changes we had, 14 or 16 rules changes. You, you made a Facebook post about that. It was <laughs> our legacy in NASA was not the lap records or the championships, national championships we won. It was But we the, did do all those things. I don't know what the number of rule changes was, but it was, that, but it was a many rule changes. It was something that, like 14 <laughs> rules changes specifically aimed at the Miatas, and some of them That was were our done, legacy. Some of them, we had at least two of them leading up to the 25, mm-hmm. happened within 24 hours of me mentioning something that we were doing on our car on Facebook. Um, literally, I mean, we would post something on like, you know, be here late at night at seven o'clock working on the car, you know, a couple weeks before T25. You know, like this cool, cool new thing we did. And the next day there'd be an update on, on, uh, on, the, on the Yahoo groups. Um, this Bulletin. is banned. Bulletin. Bulletin. This is Man. banned. It happened twice. It was like, Breaking yes. news. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's good. I mean, we're, so we're, we're proud of that, that we were able to um, 
pushed limits of what, what, what was being done. But in any case, as it, as it refers to, going back to your question from half hour ago, what the class is, um, all that knowledge got poured into the class. So it's like, okay, we know the car. Let's find the way to make them cheapest. So we do, um, it's the 89 through 05 uh, Miatas. That's the uh, roughly known as the NA and NB chassis. That's the the early ones, the uh, NA chassis is the pop-up headlights. Mm -hmm. And the second gen car, it looks kind of the same, but it's got the flush headlights you know, on it. And that's, that's the NB chassis. And those two um, chassis are basically the same. It's kind of like the A1A2 Golf, you know, where everything's more or less interchangeable. Um, so you can put the engines from one into the other, subframes, everything pretty much bolts on except for maybe the dash, um, you know, like interior bits. But so they're effectively the same running gear. And um, the bare bodies, there's slight differences in aerodynamic drag between the NA and the MB. So we equalize those by putting a big plastic air dam across the front or you can fiberglass, whatever works for you. Yeah. But it's a real simple flat shape. It's real easy to build and stick on the front of the car. And that equalizes the aero drag difference between the two. And then we put a ducktail on the back. It's just a, a, a clear plastic and it's a really big one. So it works. And we always use clear uh, like plexiglass. Plexan or, yeah. Plexan so you can see through it. Um, because it, there, it sits up so high. When you're sitting in the car, you look back and you need to be able to see through it, see the guy behind you that's bump drafting you. Huh, I always wonder why all those were clear. Yeah. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah, when you're driving in the car. Tracks, makes sense. I didn't even think about it. I, up I, I, I will tell you from experience that I was one of those guys that did not run a clear one. And I could tell you <laughs> that on tracks that required me to have the, the spoiler up, it was really hard to see people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when people are sneaking up on you, and, and especially if you get split, you know, like there's two cars that are catching you and are breaking, and one goes right, one goes left. And if you look, you can only see them in the side mirrors. But if you, yeah, so it's so, yeah, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to do. It's, it's, it's for defending, for dealing with racecraft. So anyway, we, we, we have that. So stock body, plastic air dam, no splitter. Um, the, it's a big, it's a 14 inch uh, ducktail on the back, and it's adjustable. So on the high-speed tracks, we kind of lay it down flat, uh, and pretty much everywhere else we run it up, up like NASCAR style. Um, stock body, we allow um, OEM uh, replica hard tops, but it doesn't need to be an OEM. So if you have like a carbon or fiberglass or whatever you got, well, because yeah. they're cheaper than OEM now. That's yeah. why we do that. Yeah. Um, and OEM ones are expensive now. Yeah, I sold yeah. my yeah. OEM top. Yeah, paid for a lightweight top, paid for a plastic windshield, and like paid for a set of. Like, uh, what did I use? Brand new OEM end links for my PT car. Yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. had to pull the aftermarket ones off to go back to Stocksways. You know, so we do that. Um, and it's also, it's a little safer because they tend to be just a skin. So the, the, the if you build it, we always tell people who are building a car, put the cage all the way up, regardless of how, what your height is, push it up against the hard top and have your hard top pulled down tight on it. It gives you much, the most, most room possible. So it makes it a little slightly safer car. Um, plastic window in the back. We allow a plastic windshield because it was, we wanted to have a little bit of PT crossover. Plus... Plastic windshield safer, simply put. It's it's safer um, and it's easier to replace. If it if it gets damaged at the track, somebody could pop another one in. Which a glass one, if it breaks the track, you're kind of screwed. You're going home yeah. basically. Yeah, you gotta, and you got to clean the glass out, and it's it's a mess. Yeah. So we do that. Um, as far as the safety equipment, it's pretty much standard club racing stuff. So you've got um, NASCAR bars left and right, gutted doors, gutted interior. Uh, we do no dash like like PT. Mm -hmm. uh, make the car simple and lighter. It's easier to work on them. That way you can leave the heater in. A lot of cars, if you have a dash and people just have to decide whether they want to leave the heater in and out, then I like to have the heater um, and defroster for one, the few times you race in, in the rain. You native Californian, you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very rare that we have that, but it's nice to have the defroster. So that's the same. Um, we do the same cage rules as, again, as SCCA and NASA Club Racing. 
we allow the extra attachment point on the driver's side door bar like NASA. Um, again, we wanted to have some cross compatibility there. When it gets to the drivetrain, um, it's a 4.3 Torsen, just like Spec Miata, exact same rule there. Five-speed transmission, the factory five-speed, again, just like Spec Miata there. Uh, the difference is we allow a light flywheel. It has to be an OEM-style clutch, so no fancy, like, twin-plate expensive clutches, um, just because they're expensive. Another right. part we sell and design that is not allowed in our race series. Right, because everybody would have to have one because it's a distinct advantage having that clutch. Yeah, cost so, containment. Cost containment, yeah. So we do, and this, the stock clutches work fine. We, we Everybody runs our, our Super Miata Sport clutch in them, and, and we all run them, and they, you know, st we do standing starts. We do like 50, 60 standing starts a year, and they just, just fine. Didn't yeah. hurt them a bit. Yeah. We all run the light flywheels. Um, we do that. And then uh, we have our, our power cap is 140 horsepower. So outside of, if you're not, again, in the Miataverse, um, you know, you might think that takes a lot of tuning. Well, it turns out, 12 years ago, people would have would have winced at 140. How am I ever going to do that? But we kind of come up with a simple formula. Just do this part, this part, and do this thing, and two of these three things together, and you'll make 155. And then you detune it down to 140, Bob's your uncle. And it's really simple. So you can do it with a, <laughs> you can do it with a junkyard motor. If you have a healthy junkyard motor or an OEM rebuild, and we limit the revs to 7,000, so you don't hmm. need any no uh, valve Lower springs. Lower than factory. Oh, and ninety-one no, octane. Stock. Ninety-one stock. octane, by the way. Yeah. Well, you can run. You can run the eighty-five, yeah. but no. Uh, no, we we allow race gas. Yeah. No, 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 what I'm that's getting. Oh, yeah, no, what you, I'm getting is, you, if you have a healthy motor, that's you MP. can make it on pump gas. Yeah. yeah. You, you do don't need. You don't need. Yeah. You know, like the 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 mm -hmm. special gas that Spec Miata was running for years, and now they they do POG, which is really Sunoco one hundred, still expensive gas, still eight bucks a gallon, as opposed to the thirty-two dollar gallon they were running a couple years ago. But we run, you know, we run pump gas or corn, yep. and a lot of the guys run corn, which is shorthand for E85, which is, you know, depending on where you are in the country, you know, around in SoCal, you can get it for 250 a gallon, 225. Yeah, same way they're down to actually they're down to 199. Yeah, I saw it the last time I bought it, it was 199 for wow. E85, and that's the reason to run it because it's, you know, it's at that power level. It's impossible to hurt the motor. I mean, yeah. you can be a complete monkey, and you're not so going to burn at, it up. At that power level, how much less efficient is it um, to run E85 than the 91? Um, it's about a third, I think, in fuel consumption, less. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Just, well, in, 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 in more concrete true. numbers, it's uh, for a 25 to 30-minute session, consistently have logged about just under, which is basically 32 pounds of fuel, which is about just about five gallons of fuel. Yeah, and gas would go like First three session. and a half. Yeah, so you bought three and a half it's gas. Not bad. Yeah, it's it's not too bad, but it's it's inexpensive. But the beauty of it is that you can't have the motor on it. It run, makes the motor run cooler. It keeps everything clean, decarboned. Um, yeah. So uh, and then we also a lot of us will run um, uh, open uh, open lapping days, do some occasional time attacks, or race with other clubs. So we have a high power map. You put another map and advance the timing a little bit and run the corn and. And maybe make you know depending on your health of your motor 150 160 or so. Um, so there's and and the, the E85 you get more more top end power with your if you have an uh, what we call our high power maps. Okay. So um, so there's that and we have a we we control the power area so you can only make so much torque um, and that is based on a, basically a junkyard MV1 on pump gas. So pretty much again. Anybody can make it. A so lot of nomenclature in there. So the NB1 is the 99 to 2000, 2000. Yep. non-variable non valve timing. Sorry, I do and that. Super Miata allows update, backdate, engine swaps. So you can do a, a late motor in an early car and E85, and it becomes 
really easy to hit that power cap, which is what allows for the high power maps. Yeah. For fun use. Yeah, for yeah, for for goofing around. So um, what? And it, you see that in our series, the cars. You never see one guy who's got a whole bunch more power than everybody else because everybody's got 140. Uh, the back markers with no money have 140 horsepower because it's easy. There's no there's no rocket science involved, and everything that we did. Um, Early on, I wanted to have more power, and William, um, he's my sort of, he bounces a lot of uh, ideas off me, and he, he just said, you know, you can do it, but not everybody else will be able to do it, and this, that's the key thing. It can't be something that, that's difficult for the person getting in. There's a lot of intimidation factor. When you go from, um, you know yourself, you know, when you went from doing time trials to doing your first racing, a lot of people, it's a chump car. And even that's intimidating. Like, oh, I gotta race and I gotta like, you get a little nervous about it. It's like, am I gonna be okay? Am I gonna be, you know, there's a little bit of intimidation factor. Plus, how do I get my license? What do I have to do? What, you know, what do I have to do? Um, I, I gotta remember how to get out of grid and on track. All these little things that a racer takes <laughs> you for granted. you didn't have to worry about before. And you yep. have to worry about it. And suddenly you have to like, there's an intimidation factor. And with the car prep, it was the same thing. We wanted to take the intimidation factor out of it. It's like, hey, you know what? This is the power level. Here's the information. It's easy. Don't don't sweat that part of it. And you were saying earlier, Dan, about um, the out engineering. Uh, when people inquire, they send us a, an email and they say, "Hey, I'm interested in getting in the series." And you get the guys who are the engineer types. They're the time attack guys and say, "Okay, can I can I do this with the with the with the wing? And can I do this with the diff?" And I ask all these questions like, "Man, no and no and you no. got the entirely <laughs> wrong approach. If you want." To get into a class that's about engineering a car, go do NASA ST or NASA PT or go do SCCA if you got money to spend. Because then it's 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 you can engineer all all you and you don't even have to be the best driver. You just got to out engineer. You just out spend everybody. Yeah. But if you actually want to learn how to drive and have close tight racing and learn racecraft and not have to worry about the car, then you've called the yeah. you call the right yeah. guy. And I said, just do the formula. You're going to show up with your first race with a car that I could win in. Because I'll give you everything you need to get to make the car competitive. All, yeah. all our alignments is set, set up, uh, information is all published. We also um, great example of that was at the finale event when Sonny loaned his car to a newcomer. Oh yes, yes, Pablo um, Maeda, man. He uh, did he break his car? No, no, he didn't. No, no. Oh, okay. What, what, what we. Since oh, he was races, down on power. Yeah, yeah. So since, since he, he had a 1.8 that was basically stock that he bolted to a 1.6 ECU, whatever. But basically, he was probably maybe 110 at best on that NA8 motor. So it's a guy that showed up for our season finale at Auto Club here just, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, By the way, NA8 motor means 94 to 97 Miata motor. So he showed up for his, yeah, his, his first event ever with his car, which is pretty well set up but underpowered. So Sonny offered him a drive in his car, which was making the spec 140 horsepower. So continue. Yeah. He, according, uh, according uh, with him, not only maybe like six, seven laps in the car, and just feeling the difference in power, you know, which is about, I would guess, 30 horsepower, you know. Which is big in a Miata, 30 horsepower yeah. that you... And, and on, a, on a track like Auto Club Speedway, which, you know, we get to about 120 horse, uh, 20... 125. Uh, sorry, 125 uh, with a pump drop, but 120 unassisted uh, miles per hour down the front straight. Um, he managed to gain six seconds per lap. Yeah, that's how much it, it thirty horsepower is worth. Yeah, and 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 wow. you know, and it's huge. I mean, as, as a difference, I mean, obviously the drive the driver factor and being used to the car and whatever, and you know, he had only had a few hands, a few laps in hand. Um, you know, I was doing two flats, one fifty nine. So I mean, the, but even then, the lap times he was doing in my car was good enough to be mid pack mm -hmm. in 
in S2 um, and Max Cup Super Miata. So the cool lesson there is that the cars, the cars are easy, they're easy to drive and get, get used to. And that was another big part of it. Um, if anybody here is listening has driven a spec Miata, those that have the, the custom revalved shocks, even those, you got to stay off the curb. So you set them up high on tracks where you have to go over the curb so they don't bounce. And on the tracks where you don't have to use the curb, you set them low for, so you get, you get the camber back and everything. And now they allow the offset bushing so you get the camber anyway. But they're tricky to drive. You know, They fall off the power band. Um, they bounce around a lot. And, and they, can be, they can be hustled really fast, but it's, it's, very, it's tricky. Uh, they're tricky to set up, and um, the the Maxxis Cup cars they have good shocks, and they have bigger tires, and they're they're really easy to drive at the limits. So they don't they, they punish you only by going slow. You don't you don't fly off the track. It's really really easy to gather up, but they're really easy to drive fast, and they're they're outstanding learning cars because when they're set up right, you steer them with the throttle in a fast sweeping turn. You trail brake a little bit, and you're doing that with the, with the pedals, not with the steering. And then you thr you know throttle mid turn to get the car balanced again, not with the steering. You're doing it with the pedals, and then coming off the turn, timing that throttle input so that it has just the right amount of understeer to come off and track out right. Again, it's all done with the pedals, so you learn how to drive a rear drive car with with the pedals and not be thrashing away at the steering wheel because the suspension is actually working. So right, it's a, a big. So um, what else we do? Um, we allow an oil cooler, we allow a coolant reroute. Um, Both just for reliability, future proofing. Yeah. You know, not power or performance, purely cost containment. Again, cost containment, yeah, your motor you, lasts longer. Yeah, you spend 400 bucks up front for an oil cooler, but your motor lasts an extra season. If people run, just, there's guys that have run junkyard motors that they started and they were 15 psi off of book pressure. And they run the car for a year and a half, and they're winning, winning races with it. And it just doesn't happen in any other series where you can buy a, a junker. That was my first race car. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Which actually I just sold to another person after putting a new motor in it after four seasons combined with NASA and two seasons of Super Miata, a Maxxis Cup. Was that and the Orange NA? No, 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 no. That was... That was um, Emilio's okay. car. I wanted, that, I wanted that car so bad. Aaron Kenley bought that. He, he got a good deal. I, yeah. I handed that one up. The yeah. Orange NA was a pretty interesting exercise, but Sonny's car, Monty, is a, a case study for budget. But not spending any money and yeah. still winning races. Yeah. It's, Again, it's it was, like, it was, it's it was like exactly like the same car, philosophy yeah. of Dan's car. It yeah. was like I tried to spend as little money as possible, and I still managed to win two or three races with yeah. it. Yeah, so the, you know, if you're gathering the theme about us talking about money all the time. It's like, well, yeah, you know, that takes some of the sexiness factor out of it, always talking about that. But the reality is, and this is the thing, if you're a Miata driver, you, if, if you're a Corvette driver or a Porsche driver, you might not get this if you listen to it, but you got to take your ego out of it. If it's about becoming a better driver. And having fun with your friends. And having fun with your friends, the car doesn't matter. Nope. And this is the thing I, I have to explain to people, young guys. I have a, a, a C6, C06, as you know, and it's, it's one, of, one, of, one of my toys, right? So it's a fun car to drive and all that. And you get really young guys who've never driven a really fast car, and they, they drill over that car. And, and, you know, we've all been this. Everybody listening to this and everybody sitting at this table, when we were kids and we were teenagers, we all lusted after some supercar. Sonny and I are still teenagers. And, and we, <laughs> yeah, but he gets to drive. Sonny, if you don't know, Sonny works at Exotics Racing, and he, on what he does on the weekends is he drives supercars and teaches people how to drive supercars. So he's, he's driven every kind of supercar you can imagine. He's, he's driven um, fast. <laughs> so anyway, um, but when you're, that, when, you're, when you're young, 
you dream about this really super fast, exciting car, and what do you think is like that car will change my life? If I if I had one of those, dude, it would change my life. I would dominate with that car. And then somewhere you get older and you get in your prime earning years, and say you drive it and you go like, well, and if you actually get where you can actually drive the car on a daily basis, he's like, it's just a car. It's just and you know, it's fun and all that, but, but I really have push rods and leaf springs and. <laughs> and it goes 200 miles an hour on street tires, but that's fine. Yeah. But but my point is, the, the epiphany I had years ago was that if I had a choice between somebody handing me the keys to you know whatever the the supercar du jour is like right yeah, now, it's now maybe it's a P1 LaFerrari. Yeah, okay, let's say LaFerrari. Let's say it, for me it would be a P1, but whatever. It's, okay, argue with me over that, but whatever. Let's say it's some <laughs> better. You want to fight about it? Some <laughs> some, some unattainable super bitching car. If somebody handed me the keys to that, and just said, one of them for you by yourself to drive. Yep, add a track of your choice. Drive all day, but these are the ground rules. You cannot take any pictures. You cannot take any data. You cannot take any video. And you cannot take any of your friends. You cannot tell tell anybody about it. You're by yourself. You get to drive this track all day by yourself. There's a lot of people listening to this that say, "Well, that'd be really cool." It's like, but I want to tell my oh wait, I can't do that. I did. Just me, right? I get to experience it. It's for my own memory bank. Or I could take... Ten six, of your buddies. Ten of your buddies and ten shit boxes, Ten spec E30s, spec Miata, spec Boxsters, whatever. Just a generic, not, exci- not sexy, a non-sexy race car. And for go the to my same local. raw dollar amount. Yeah, and go to the same track. And I get to take them all. And we all get to race. And we could do as much race as we can, and we get to Facebook it, we get to share it, we get to take videos, and like, man, that's a lifetime of memories right there. Yeah. It's like, which would I have, which, which would I do? And in a heartbeat, any hardcore car guy who's been there and done that, it's got to be the BTD factor, right? Would go, oh, all day long, I would take my buddies and go rent a fleet yeah. of spec boxsters. And that was the epiphany. It's like, it's not about the car. It's not about the car. The guy who's so tied up in the ego is like, oh, I'd have, you know, the, Gotta have the, a V8. the, the flat out video. It's like, uh, uh, it's like, you know, driving flat out on the autobahn. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I gotta have tires to start with a three. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot of, you know, it's almost like driving a slow car on a track with your buddies is like final destination for track guys. Well, you, it, you, you know, know it's also, like, you know that more than anybody spec fit. Yeah. I mean, it's the yeah. same idea. Yeah. It's just a different application. Yep. So Super Miata, Maxxis Cup is a bunch of guys that Maximum could be racing. <laughs> yeah, they could be racing faster cars with less people, but it's way more fun to race slower cars with more people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's great too taking one of those slow oh, cars to like an open lapping day and passing the guys in the fast cars. Yeah, that's the thing. We really focus on the racecraft side of our. It, it was just a whole separate part of the discussion. Reverse grid. Yeah, with, yeah. With, with, with the reverse grid. But our drivers, even the back markers, they really learn how to block and how to pass, and they become really, really good drivers. And they go back from being getting their butts kicked in the advanced group in their Miata four years ago to being one of the fastest cars in the advanced group now in HPDE in the same Miata just because they know how to drive now. Yeah. They're not afraid. They're not intimidated by the faster cars. So Which is the reason that you do it the way that you do, right? Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the data collection, the reverse grid, the barbecue and track video watching and 
You yeah. see barbecue and track video watching, those are like the same thing. There's a projector the, I mean, or a TV screen and you oh, watch in car videos so, at night drinking beer, eating food. Yeah, so aside from the, the reverse grade, I was about to get this in earlier, one of the unique things about Max's Cup Super Miata is that, you know, I've, you know, me, Emilio, William, a bunch of other people, national champions, we, we don't really care anymore. We just kind of just, oh, well, that's Dan too. We call yeah, them yeah. the national We call them the Maxis Cup leaders. Yes. That's just basically people who have the experience and we enjoy. And the reason we do the, do this is to hand down all, all the information. So that's what you're yeah. saying. So, and, and on top of that, like, you know, it doesn't matter if we win anymore. What matters to us more at this point, because we've won so many races and titles and whatnot and lab no big records. deal no big deal <laughs> um, it's that nothing, nothing awesome. wins don't excite us anymore what excites us more now is not only the it's basically just the racing and with the reverse grid which also enhances that experience it's, it's it's the ego thing it's like i got to where it's like okay so i'm winning races but i'm winning racing against two or three people who don't have cars that are prepared that well and this other guy it looks like he's kind of inexperienced in this platform so it's like what am i getting out of that it's like i would much rather go race the best driver i know like locally or these these guys like the guys on my race team i would really rather race them in an equal car i have a car when i was racing pt it was like well i have a better car than you and you know i spent i have more laps on this track so i'm gonna, probably gonna beat you but then it's like i would rather much rather basically give you a duplicate of my car and give that other guy a duplicate of my car and the other guy duplicate and now let's go out and see if i can still win then it's like now i start to get nervous and sweaty like can i am i actually good enough to do it that's when puts the excitement more came pressure in. on you yeah. it puts the pressure on it and that's where the excitement came in back in 2012 when i first met austin we were at mid ohio for nasa nationals and emilio said something to me that has stuck really ever since he said simply, if I can walk through the grid knowing the rule set of NASA PT and I see a car in my class with a glass windshield, I already know I'm going to beat that guy. Yeah. Because he's, he's not taking advantage of what he's allowed to do for free, no points, minimal cost, whatever. And I am willing to put in the extra two hours to put in a, a $75 plastic windshield. That's going to drop 11 pounds off the front of my car, off the top of my car, whatever. Those little things add up. And if you're allowed to do those, you know, pay attention and read. That's yeah. like a big, it's, 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 a, it's a big sign that the person hasn't gone. They got all the way to Nashville, spent all that money, and they didn't spend those couple extra bucks on, on that windshield. Therefore, I can tell just from that one thing, that their car is going to be a couple hundredths of a second of a lap slower than mine. Yeah. Just from that one thing. And because I can see that, I know the rest of the car. I says, I don't even... It's prepped the same way. I, I know, know you, talked, you talked about it uh, before when you were on the show. Yeah. So, and that, I mean, that stuck, I think, with a lot of people. Yeah. So... And, and so, uh, it's like... So, the challenge... I look at that, and on one hand... Uh, we were just talking about, I, I race bicycles, too. And, and it's, it's, it's never fun to win a race when there's no competition. And you go, you finish, and like, nobody in close to you. It's like, well... That's just a training ride. That's winning like, a car race up a lap or two is like winning a bike race up a couple minutes. Yeah, it's, it's like it, we, we, William and I, we joke that. We call it the HPD. I was just doing HPD, and I, I got a trophy. I was you out know? there running laps. I was running running laps. There was no competition. Fun, but when you have to fight for it, I would way weather, rather do five races, lose three of them, lose that championship, but fight and draw something out of myself that I had to bring myself to another level. I had to work that much harder, be that much more diligent on collecting my tire pressures and fussing over my ride height 
and thinking about whether I should lift six inches of that curb or maybe do eight inches of that curb and what's going to make my lap like looking over my data and and pushing and maybe just beating another guy who I know is really really good and really determined and it's like then I feel then that's that's a massive Nemesis. rush and then yeah if there's and if there's four or five guys that are like that that I, that I have to work to beat I mean uh that's that's a big challenge. And so there's some people listening to this who race Spec Miata, and I, can, I totally get the, the rush of what Spec Miata is because the, the top guys are all really, really good. They have good teams. They have good cars. Um, the part that, I, that I, not, I don't have fun with is the cost effectiveness of the car itself. The car formula is broken. It, clearly it's broken. I mean, we don't want to talk, get into Laguna Seca runoffs. That was a, that was a cluster. So, you but know, the 1.6 is the overdog. <laughs> I will make that known. I, I, I think it's in me too, but anyway. As, as a Midwesterner, <laughs> Justin, Justin I, will, I will give a shout out right now to, to Justin Hilly resetting both track records at Mid-Ohio in a 1-6. Who is, Justin is actually uh, currently in New Orleans at for the NOLA shootout. For the I would shootout. like to see he, the data from that lap because you know coming off of, um, coming off of three or two, Going down into into China Beach, he's probably losing like a, a second there. Probably <laughs> but three going or four down miles through an hour. Yeah. Everywhere else, but he's got to be just destroying it. Yeah. yeah, getting down through the carousel and down under the uh, to the finish. He's yeah. just got to be like leagues faster. If you've ever driven a well set up one six and one eight, you can feel the difference on the nose. One of them just turns and stops, and mainly changes directions much much better. The one six changes directions much much quicker. It's a hundred pounds lighter, right? Ish. Yeah, it's 2275, yeah. depending yeah, on the bore. Okay. It's 22... It's a 2430? We're, we're showing 20, our noobishness on specking out a real I know it used to be 2400. It's, it's like 2300, 2350, no, and 2400. That's not the point. Just depending on the bore, the Midwest. It's, yeah, it's like 120... It, the delta is roughly 125 pounds, depending okay. on the bore. Yeah. Bore diameter. If you have the, 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 the first size over or second size over, your weight changes okay. on the pistons. So we didn't want to get into that Max's Cup suite. I don't care what pistons you have in it. Just make yeah. 140 horsepower. Yeah. So show, what, show up with the dyno sheet. What weight limits do you guys run? 2,300 pounds. 2,300? Full Now, Sweet. this is the big difference. There's we don't do we don't do four different rule sets because NASA technically, or NASA, expect me out, I'm sorry, is technically four different rule sets. Right. NA6, the, NAA, NAA, NB1, NB2. And within those, you have bore things if you have the first size over or the second size over because it's a different weight so technically you've got like seven different cars running all of them with slightly different performance elements now you can equalize then you have scca with offset bushings nasa with with extended lower ball joints scca with hoosiers nasa with toyos with rrs there are like 64 different combinations the thing is when you have all of those cars you might say well they're pretty equal well in theory on a given track on a given day with the correct ambient te- you know, like this you know the sun's here and it's not overcast and it's this particular track and it's this ambient temperature whatever pressure and wind and everything then all of them all have the same lap time but the minute you go to another track, you're like, okay, on this track, it's overcast. Now the car that requires more grip than power, that's going to change the performance envelope. Yeah. And now this track that has these slow exits with these long straightaways, now that's this other now car. Now the VVT one eight. Like, now, now it's this really yeah. bumpy track. It's like okay, a pack now modifier. It's this other car. So 
So what you end up having is you have a car for the track. And it really depends on what, the, what region you're in, what tracks you run on. Yeah. So you can't make a national rule set for that. If you're, if you're really getting it down to the nth, they have to be the same car. That has to be SRF. Yeah. And SRF is like they're always equal because they're, well, they're literally the same car. equal. They're yeah. all the same car. <laughs> so that's what we went over with Max's Club. It's like let's not – early on, and it was really hard for me to do when I was building the series in 14, I had to um, uh, turn away a lot of people who – said, well, I, I, I had this car, but I already had this other part. Can I run it? And I would say, no. It's like, well, I'll run the same lap times. Like, you don't understand. You'll have a different performance on Your car is going to be lighter, and you're going to have less power, which means you'll, need to, you'll outbreak everybody. But then we're going to beat you on the straights. So there's going to be one track where you're going to win and other tracks where they don't. And if I have to allow yours, then I'm setting a precedent then it is just well, spec me out all over again. I have to allow every other, like, okay, this guy's got carbon front fenders, and this guy's got this other thing. He's got his radiator in the trunk, and this guy's got, and it goes on and on and on. It's like, you know what? No. We just make them the same. We make them cheap, and that way everybody shows up with the exact same car. So, again, that's the ego part of it. Well, the guy says, well, I, how do I come up with any kind of advantage? <laughs> drive better. You drive drive. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you got to drive better. Yeah.